This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We are um, almost finished with a, a series. Next week, Sunday, we're going to finish with that. Uh, concerning our word for the year is, is Matthew 6, verse 33. Uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He will add all things to us. And I will really want us to pray through that because uh, we saw a, suffer, a couple of scriptures in Romans. We saw in Luke chapter 17. Uh, and I just want to read here Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It's a, it's a seeking. It's a hunger. It's, it's an imperative word, the verb. It never stops. The kingdom of God comes. And please be patient with us this morning. Everything is running on generators. So I trust you can hear the sound. Like maybe there's a bit of a breakup sometimes. And if it stops, then it will probably just switch over to another generator. So uh, be patient with us. But Matthew 6, verse 33, is, is so profound. It's in the context of people worrying and people being anxious. And the Lord says, like, the, the vaccine, the immune system you have to build into your life is simply to seek the kingdom of God. Not pray against the fear or try and get a list to be a good person. But if you want to get rid of fear and anxiety and not focus just all the time on your provision is to seek first the kingdom of God. And Luke 17, um, the Bible says there, Jesus said it because the people says, where is the kingdom of God? And he said, well, the kingdom of God is within you, but the kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God does not come with studying. You can read through the Bible 300 times and it's great if you read through it, but still you can miss the kingdom because the kingdom starts in our hearts where Jesus reigns. It starts in a relationship. It starts when you and I surrender our lives to Him. And then once that uh, kingdom we saw in Romans is, is love, joy, peace in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God when He begins to reign in us and when He begins to reign through us. And so this morning we're going to talk about kingdom relationships. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a very, very tough question. It's actually uh, a sort of scenario. And that I'm going to paint and then I'm going to ask you two sort of semi-questions within that. Um, I woke up on Tuesday morning, 3 o'clock, with this scenario and question that I'm going to ask you. And it's quite a tough one, so keep it to yourself first and then let the conviction come later. But imagine this, uh, I, I have a bit of imagination. So imagine you're up on the mountain. You have 30 minutes to live. It's just you alone by yourself. You have 30 minutes left to live. And um, you cannot call anyone to come and rescue you. There's no water. There's no nothing. There's, there's absolutely no natural way by which you will be able to make it out of this situation. You have 30 minutes, but you have seven WhatsApps, okay? Seven WhatsApp messages that you can send to seven specific people. Um, they will all read the WhatsApp message, but they cannot reply, okay? And you know that these seven messages that you're going to send to people, probably, if I can give you a hint, it will be people that will be praying for you. 
because they can't do anything in the natural to help you. They can't reply back. They can't encourage you and say, hey, I hope you make it or send you a love language back or send you a gift on the five love languages or spend quality time with you. I don't know what, you know, some of us have all the love languages, as they say. But um, so you have seven people that you can send a WhatsApp to. My first sort of statement or question within a question is going to be like, who would those seven people be that you would send that to? They cannot reply. You just know that hopefully when they get it, they're going to read it, obviously, and then they're going to start praying. They're going to leave everything and pray for you. I want you to make a list quickly, just in your head or on your phone. Who would those seven people be? Maybe people in the car with you are going to assume you're going to put them on the list, but maybe you're not. Maybe they, you know they don't pray, you know. <laughs> Uh, who's those people that you really know they're going to dig deep, they're going to pray for you as if your life depends on it because your life depends on it, okay? So don't show anybody else, just you. Make a list of those seven people, you know? Maybe you're going to think like this big preacher somewhere in America or this big intercessor, you know, uh, Suzette Hatting. If I can send a WhatsApp to Suzette Hatting, I know she's going to intercede for me and, you know, the, the clouds are going to bow down and lift me up and take me out, you know. But if your life depends on it, those seven people. But here's the real question now. This, now we're getting to the question. That's sort of a statement. You have your seven names. The question now is, how many of those seven people would put you on their list? Are you getting the question? So you've put down seven names, but, but on how many lists of those seven people would you actually be? Because if you say like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to send, uh, I'm definitely going to send one to my pastor and I'm going to definitely send one, one to see us, one to my small group leader, because I know they will pray for me, you know, well, hopefully. But in any case, you know, but how many of them, if they were in your situation, would put your name down? It's a tough question, eh? Because... Show something of your heart and your commitment to spiritually stand in the gap for others. And this is what we're talking about. We're going to talk this week and next week about kingdom relationships. And so I want us to go to a, a, a scripture. And we, we actually last week, we read the last part of the scripture. But you can almost miss the whole heart of Paul as he writes to Timothy concerning his heart for Timothy, because Paul was like a father in the faith to Timothy. And, uh, and he writes certain things that defines his relationship or the way that a kingdom relationship should work. You know, because I, you know, even uh, today there are many people, they call themselves Christians. And that's great. And they have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't have relationship with the body of Christ. Maybe they've been offended. Maybe they got hurt. Maybe there's a lot of stuff that happened to them. But if you really talk about kingdom relationships, then they think like, yeah, 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 you know, it's people out there. But the question is, who do we pray for? Who do we love? Who do we stand in the gap for? So in 1 Timothy 1, verse um, 1, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1, verse 1 to 7. Let's jump into the scripture. It says here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son. So now he writes 
to Timothy, and this is sort of his word to Timothy. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, verse 3, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Such a beautiful, passionate prayer and word that he speaks over Timothy. So he says, grace to you, mercy, peace. He speaks God's blessing over Timothy. And then he says, I thank God. I thank God for this relationship. I come from a place of a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. But now he begins to define his relationship. And he says, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Do you think this is a two-minute prayer that he prays? If he says night and day, it means like this guy is really praying for Timothy. And he says, I'm mindful of your tears. Because now remember, Timothy was a young guy and he was intimidated with a lot of things around him as he was in the churches in Ephesus and ministering there. And a lot of people came against him and said, oh, you're too young or you're too this. God can never use you. You will never get anywhere. You will not amount to anything. I can just imagine the accusation and the stuff. And uh, people said, like, no, 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 you can't. You know, you, there's, there's actually, uh, Paul should have gone to the University of Jerusalem to go and find his top guy, you know. Because that, that, that guy's got all the theological degrees or all the background. And he plays for Marty's first team, like Ben Jason here, you know. He's got the looks like Ben Jason, you know. Everyone just wants to be with Ben Jason. And, you know, that, that's just amazing. That's a compliment, Ben Jason. Okay, so don't worry. Um, but it says, verse 5. So firstly, we see, and we're going to look at that quickly in points. Verse 5, he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Isn't that a beautiful word? I'm persuaded. It's in you. I'm persuaded. I know, he says, that that faith is in you, which is, was in your grandmother, which was in your mother. And now he goes on to the verse we read last week. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, cowardice, intimidation. We saw that last week. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Wow. So this is a, this is a really a personal sort of decree, a personal prayer. That Paul prays over Timothy. And it's amazing because that relationship is not founded on sentiment. It's not founded just on nice things that we do together. And whether you're married here today, whether you are in a relationship or just in a community, in a small group, my question is, what do we build our relationships on? And how do we find our relationships? No, no, we do Bible study once a month together. But when we look at how Paul defined it, isn't it amazing how many times he prayed? I said, I pray without ceasing for you. I pray that the eyes of your understanding will open up. I pray that Christ will be formed in you. So there was a, a laboring in, in prayer, in relationship for one another. So a couple of pointers here, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 5, and next week we'll continue. It says, godly relationships or kingdom relationships 
is built on purpose. We have a purpose together. We're seeking the kingdom together. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So in your small group, think like, how do we as a small group seek the kingdom of God together? How do we as a family seek the kingdom of God together? Just our natural family at our home, you sitting in the car together. Because if, if you are building your relationship just to have nice times and social stuff, and that's great. Friendship is the foundation of any godly relationship. So if you don't have friends, then trust the Lord to get into a small group and be a friend and, and reach out, you know, because friendship is so important. It's important that we go climb these beautiful mountains. And I don't know if golf really helps you in your friendship, but, you know, whatever builds your friendship, not breaks it down. Or, you know, there's some people, the very competitive ones amongst us, like Jürgens and some other guys that I can mention here, you know. But um, it's, it's just amazing you know, that it must build together. So the first thing is relationships that have purpose. The second one, Paul says he prays day and night. My question is, do we actually pray for one another? Do you pray and in what way do you pray? Do you just pray, Lord, give her a breakthrough, give her a new job, Lord, help her there, help her there? Or is there something deeper that we pray for each other? And this is what we see in Paul's prayer or Paul's, sort of reaching out. He, he prays, so, but he prays without ceasing. He says, day and night. And you can almost see, he says, I pray that your tears, I, there's a passionate prayer because it, it's birthed out of love. It's birthed out of like, hey, I'm not going to let go because I know I've seen something. And this is number three. It says, recognize, you have recognized the redemptive gift of a person. Isn't that amazing how Paul sees it? He says in Timothy, I saw a gift in you and I'm persuaded of that gift. I don't know if Timothy was actually persuaded of that gift himself. But Paul saw that gift running down from grandmother Louise, Eunice and Louise and all the Isas and all the Graces and all the, you know. But he says, there's a redemptive gift in you, Timothy, and I saw that. And do you know what? I'm praying for that. I'm recognizing. And so when we pray for each other, our prayer should not just primarily be, oh, Lord, give him a new car. Lord, give him that. Oh, Lord, please help him at school. Our labor for each other in kingdom relationships. If you're praying for your husband, lady, ask the Lord, what is the redemptive gift of our marriage? What is the redemptive purpose of us as a church together? It's to reach nations and generations through disciple-making and leadership development and church planting. So we should pray, Lord, where is the next church plant? What, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us? Because God has placed us together even as a greater community, not just to have a church event, not just to come together Sunday and say like, hey, no, no, this is great. It's so nice, so social. And the coffee is great. Oh, you know, but you can have great coffee, but the Holy Spirit is not there. <laughs> amen. Can I get an amen? Okay. Because there's something greater that binds us together. It's the redemptive purpose. Maybe when you pray for Stellenbosch, you know Stellenbosch's redemptive purpose is to raise up young people and send them into the nations. This university here was formed and founded on Christian values that said, hey, let's raise up missionaries and send them into Africa. You know, And that redemptive gift has been stolen through the theology department where... 
apartheid came from and a lot of bad stuff was birthed, but there's a pioneering stuff. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. We've seen the worst come from Stellenbosch. But hey, as the children of God, we can say, Lord, give us that redemptive purpose for Stellenbosch again. Raise up young people that will be church planters, that will be leaders, CEOs of companies, and that will go and change the world. Amen? Can I get an amen? Lekker, lekker. Okay. So, so this is what Paul sees. First he prays day and night, and then he says, I recognize that gift, that gift of faith that runs through your family lines, that runs, there's a legacy that you have in your families. And I, I pray for that. I pray that that will be established in your life. And then the fourth thing that he does is he reminds Timothy of that gift. Because that's what real godly relationships do. It's like, hey, what did we speak about concerning obedience in your life? What, did, what, would, what, what are we praying? He says, I remind you. You have that gift, but more than that, now stir up that gift. So remind each other to be obedient to the call, to the redemptive gift of God in our lives. And so it's so exciting when we begin to look at each other in the way that God looks at us. Yeah? And when we begin to see each other, well, no, this is not Shluby. This is a man of God. And if part of my purpose, part of my life's call is to, to pray that into being over him. Not just pray for my own identity, pray for how I feel good, pray for me to be great. No, it's when, when people around me prosper. And that's so bad about the prosperity gospel. It's just about me, I, and myself, the Trinity, you know, the Holy Trinity of I, me, and myself. But when I start to pray and somebody else in my community becomes great, wow, that's when we all win. Isn't that what Scripture says? If you win, I win. If you suffer, I suffer. Because this is how the world will know that we are His disciples by the love that we have for one another, by laying our lives down for our friends. And you know what? It's not, it's not common in the world out there today because it's now every man and every woman just for themselves, you know? Survival of the fittest. But this is time for the church to arise and to say, hey, we're going to be a truly godly community. Great, can I get an amen there? Okay, so what we're going to do quickly is, um, I hope you've already written down your seven names, okay? And uh, practically, is to go, go and think like, okay, who am I going to be on? Whose list am I going to be? Who is God sort of laid on my heart to begin to pray for this week? And you maybe there's uh, Tanikumi in the old age home, or maybe there's somebody out there that you have to pray for and say, Lord, begin to birth. Maybe they're not even saved. Maybe they don't know God. And you say, yes, Lord, give me a burden for them to begin to pray that Christ be formed in them. Okay, so the first thing is quickly to think of maybe one or two people you want to be on their list. You want to you wanna reach out and be there for them without them necessarily telling you. But you begin to say, Lord, I, I, I want to begin to recognize that maybe you're a mother here and it's in your children. And say, Lord, give me the, show me, show me what these children, just like we dedicated Israel. God has got a plan for Israel's life. And when we as parents begin to see what plan God has for our children, we begin to speak it, you know. Uh, we have one child that um, is a, quite an extrovert. And I don't know if I'm allowed to tell this. Maybe I'm going to get in trouble. But. 
but she's not here. But in any case, so, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and so when your children go through teenage phases, any, any parents with teenagers here? Just give me a hoot if you have teenagers. Uh, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. But there was, when she went through that early teenage phases, whew, it was grumpy. It was emotional. And, and, and her name means the pleasant one. But sometimes I'll just go into the room, close the door and say, Oh Lord, I remind myself that this is actually a pleasant one because you know? <laughs> teenagers sometimes just go through phases now she's actually amazing and um and so pleasant to have her around but you there was one or two years that you have to remind yourself of who those children what god said when they, you dedicated those children i see a lot of parents laughing hey Monet, Lida. <laughs> you, know? you think like no i just want to kill i don't want to remind myself you know who was it like um they asked billy graham they said, hey, have you ever thought of divorce with your wife? said, never, but murder many times. <laughs> and um, because especially the people that live closest to us that we're in relationship with, you know, we have to remind ourselves, like, who is this person? What are those promises God has spoken over our marriage? What, is, what has God done in our lives? And Because uh, we forget, and that's what's so beautiful about Paul reminding Timothy. Last scripture and and next week we're going to look at the whole Ephesians chapter 5. But just in, in verse 15, this is sort of a warning of the times. And, and the last thing, as we're going to continue next week, we're talking about godly kingdom relationships. He says, see then, Ephesians 5 verse 15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And look, at, look at this beautiful picture of the church. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for some things. Uh, when it goes good with you, no, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There's a lot of things, and if you have time this week, go read the whole Ephesians 5. talks about some tough things like submitting and all that stuff, but it starts so beautifully in verse 1 with godly relationships and and yeah in the end it says submitting to one another in the fear of god kingdom relationships have the fear of god because we are here because we reverence god we're not here just to have a nice time and you know that's a challenging part sometimes when you look at jesus with his disciples he said to peter many times peter get behind me <laughs> once he'd said that but peter i've prayed for you because the devil came and he asked to sift you like wheat. But don't worry, Peter. I've prayed for you. I've interceded for you. But then there were other times when everybody walked away and then Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you also want to go? Godly kingdom relationships do not have the fear of man in them. They have the fear of God primarily. Because we want to do the will of God. And that's so tough to say in a tolerant environment, a tolerant culture. Because we all want to be nice and we all want to... But let's have the fear of God. Let that be the beginning of wisdom and our relationship to one another. Because we're not going to be challenged with conflict or confrontation. And we never break somebody down. 
you know, conflict is good, amen, when we want restoration. But if we want vindication through conflict, then it's not good. Because then we destroy each other. Like, you never do this, and you always do that, and you like, you know, just this week. Um, I had a very humbling moment, and I'm sharing it. It's just between the two of us, okay? So don't tell anyone else. <clears throat> but so it was Friday morning, so we have a, a gardener that comes like once every week or maybe once every two weeks. His name is Wiseman. I love Wiseman very much, you know, and he knows I'm a pastor. But Wiseman sometimes, um, <clears throat> you know, he smokes a bit of weed, especially here at 11.30. And then Wiseman begins to smile and then sometimes Wiseman does stuff with the garden that is not so nice, you know. He, he sort of moves the garden around, you know, and then he becomes, Wiseman becomes very creative when he would, would smoke some weed sometimes, you know. So, so we're trying to build relationship with our gardener and sometimes it's great, sometimes it's very tough. But on Friday morning, so Wiseman was one of the, on his sprees again, you know. <clears throat> then he wants to replant the, the the trees in the front garden he, he's doing his own compost heap at the back of the house so it's it's always like very creative um, things happening in our garden but um so i walk out and i'm a, i'm really focused going to all my stuff you know and year year wiseman and i it's the first time i'm seeing him as he's w w w sort of walking in the back of the garden and i just i just think like i'm gonna lose it today with wiseman you know so i say Wiseman, what are you doing? What what are you up to again? You know. And um, but that's not the that's the first words that I sort of uttered towards him. And um, and so Wiseman is standing there. He looks up at me. He says, "Good morning, Pastor. I'm greeting you to this morning." And the conviction of the Lord comes over me. You know? And I'm thinking like, "Oh yeah, I just." I just missed the whole thing, you know, because I wanted to sort out Wiseman before I would love Wiseman and just like greet him properly. Because I don't have an excuse not to greet that petrol attendant because that's a person that Jesus loves. I'm not just on my way somewhere to do a lot of stuff, okay? There's people that God loves. And if we, if we miss this in our own community, then do you know what we do? People become projects out there. People just become like somebody that must fill my car's tank because I'm on the way. But that's a person. And if I begin to ask God and say, God, show me who Chabu is because there's a Chabu there. He comes from Zimbabwe. He's got a family. Show me his redemptive purpose. And that's the gift of prophecy. That's so beautiful when we have the Holy Spirit, when they can stop and just pray and bless and minister. Why? Because every person, doesn't matter if they're sitting on the streets or if they're a prostitute, where they from, every person has got a gift inside of them. Every person we meet has been made in the image of God. And if we as the church don't get that right, you know, the world is going to go to hell. And we're going to have lots of great church meetings, but they're not going to come to church. But when we unlock that potential in people, when we begin to say, yes, Christ has made this person. Christ has a purpose for this person. And maybe God has called me to call out that redemptive purpose of that secretary that works. You know, if you're a lady, that secretary that works there at, at work. Or that guy, just, just to stop first and just bless them. Just honor them. 
just celebrate them because their lives are in a mess. Many people are going through great difficulty right now. And I had to go back to Wiseman and say, sorry, Wiseman, how's your week been? Sorry, Wiseman, what's happening, you know? No, Pastor, it's lekker. And then he smiles, you know? And I thought like, sure. Because we so easily get it wrong when we don't live from that place of even how God sees us. Because if you see how God sees you and how much He loves you, you're going to just overflow with love for other people. You're going to begin to intercede. If you know how much Jesus intercedes for you and me, every day He's the mediator. He intercedes day and night for you. You have an intercessor praying for you day and night. God will not ask you to do something that He's not doing Himself. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding. Maybe just ask Him. Say, God, what are you praying for me at the moment? And I can guess probably he's not going to pray for you for a new car right now. I can guess that he's going to pray for something more. Probably that you will see him and be intimate with him because he doesn't pray from a selfish place. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.